Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World Show. Today, we've got Richard Bronson. He's the CEO and founder of 70 Million Jobs, an effort to uh, help create jobs for people who uh, have been incarcerated. You don't want to miss this episode. Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. This episode is made possible via the support of our sponsors, including Johnson & Johnson's Caring Crowd. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Devin. Thank you for having me. We're, we're really excited to talk to you. We recognize that you're doing important, important work. Uh, tell us about 70 million jobs. I'd love to. Uh, and thank you all of your viewers and listeners for joining us as well. Um, the story uh, behind 70 million jobs begins years ago. Um, incidentally, 70 million jobs refers to the 70 million Americans who have some kind of criminal record. It's a staggering number. It represents one out of three adults. People are shocked that there are so many. I used to work on Wall Street and I had a great deal of success there. I worked for some big companies. I also, for a short time, was a partner at the infamous Wolf of Wall Street firm, Stratton Oakmont, that was in the movies. And yes, the reality was very close to what the movie depicted. It was pretty wild. Uh, I left that company to start my own uh, financial services firm. I grew it into a 500-person business, doing about $100 million a year in annual revenue. Unfortunately, some of what I was doing was wrong. I knew it was wrong then. I have no excuses. I was greedy and impatient and stupid, and I deserved to be punished for it. So despite the fact that I ended up paying everybody back, I rightfully was convicted of securities fraud, and I spent two years in a federal prison. When I came out, I discovered firsthand how daunting it is for anybody to try to get on with one's life after going through an experience with the criminal justice system. I was essentially destitute and homeless when I came out. Um, and, but even then, I considered myself so, somewhat lucky because I was a white male in white corporate America with a college education. What chance would the guys that I was in prison with have, 25-year-old men of color who probably hadn't completed high school? No, bit, no business experience, what chance would they have? And as I later learned, the answer is almost none. What's really scary about that is the fact that uh, there's a very direct correlation between unemployment among the formerly incarcerated and recidivism. In other words, unless someone gets a job quickly when they're released from jail or prison, there is, it's an almost lock that they're gonna end up back in jail and pri or prison quickly. Contrary-wise, if they do have a job, then chances are things are gonna work out very, very well. So it kind of, I, I recognize this was my calling in life to be involved with, to help my brothers and sisters who were coming out of prison or jail. I worked for a while as director of a prominent nonprofit in the reentry space called Defy Ventures, which was very rewarding. But I wanted to do more, and I'm not really a nonprofit guy by nature. I'm very aggressive, and uh, I like to make things happen. So I felt like not only could I make things happen and build a, a business that I could scale 
that could potentially really move the needle on unemployment, but I could also uh, do very, very well business-wise because our business, 70 million jobs, is a for-profit venture. That has never been done before in the re-entry space at all. We are the first and right now we're the only one, which is a nice place to be. Um, to date, we have uh, helped hundreds of people uh, get jobs. We work with some of the largest employers in the country and we're certainly really helped. It's almost a perfect storm for us whereby unemployment in this country is at historic lows. So big companies are almost desperate to fill millions of available positions. And maybe they wouldn't particularly consider hiring from this population prior to these macroeconomic conditions. Now they have no choice. So that's really helped us quite a bit. And ultimately what we find almost in every case is when they do bring in these folks, they are shocked by how well they do. They're thrilled to have them. They help morale. Uh, they stick around longer because retention for employment is in this country. People leave jobs so quickly, they bounce around. My guys stick around because they don't have as many choices. And they really appreciate that someone went out on a limb for them. So they perform well, they stay longer, and they do very, very well. And inevitably, the companies come back and ask, can you send us, can you get us more of these kind of people? So, so, so far, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so what's the revenue model? How do you generate revenue from this uh, arbitrage between uh, this group of uh, tough to employ people and all these corporations that need employees? Um, we employ a advertising model, which is a typical job board model that's employed by companies like Indeed.com or Monster.com or any others. Uh, employers pay to advertise their jobs on our job board the uh, applicant never pays a penny. Now, the difference between us and them, aside from the fact that our audience are people of criminal records, and we have over a million people in our community nationally who are active job seekers, because our folks are not really used to or haven't had the experience of trying to find a legitimate job, they don't really know what they're supposed to do. Um, they don't know they're supposed to come back to the job board every day or a couple of times a day to see if there are new jobs there, things that we might take for granted. So what we've realized what we have to do, and it's kind of like our secret sauce, is that we need to aggressively market the jobs to our applicants rather than waiting for them to come to us. And when we do this, it works terrifically. We do email campaigns and text alerts and telephone calls and lots of social media. And that creates a lot of engagement and creates a lot of traffic for our employer partners. And, uh, you know, um, ultimately they're going to make the decision whether they want to hire them. Um, they're, you know, but all of our companies that get involved with us, they know who we're dealing with and they consider themselves and we consider them second chance friendly companies or fair chance hirers. And more and more companies are doing this and more and more companies are asserting their leadership. Um, and, uh, you know, in this business that I'm in, um, I'm every day I'm shocked by how many truly caring people there are, even at big companies. 
who really do believe that it's a second chance is something that everybody needs one at some time in their life and deserves. And, yeah. you know, it, in, in light of what's going on politically in this country, you know, where it's so sad that so many of the best values of this country are, are kind of being tossed, you know, aside. Uh, it's not happening at the big companies that I talk to. So many of them really and truly want to do the right thing and are stepping up. It's good business and it's the right thing. And that's a very good alliance. So Richard, uh, you're raising money right now. Uh, tell us about your regulation crowdfunding offering. Yeah, I mean, we're a, we're a tech startup and um, you know, that is a for-profit venture. So certainly we don't get donations. Um, we uh, raise money through uh, angel investors and venture capital firms. We're we're based in the Bay Area here in San Francisco, and we're very much in that world. But we have lots of people who have come to us and said, how do we get involved? We love this business that you're doing. We want to help. We want to support it. And we agree that it's probably a good business here as well. How do we do it? So we decided that we would do a crowdfund. So we're on WeFunder, um, WeFunder.com. And we're not raising a lot of money there. Um, we're raising it at the same exact terms that I raised uh, almost a year ago. It's still part of our seed round. So I think uh, the terms make it very, very fair given all the progress that we've made. Um, we'd love to have people involved. You know, uh, um, people, we, we, we need the help, but we also love to have the support. So I invite anybody who's interested um, to go online at WeFunder and, and find 70 million jobs. And if you'd like, email me at richard at 70millionjobs.com and I'd be glad to set up a call and we can discuss it further. Some people have some great ideas or connections or introductions. I appreciate it all. So Richard, how did you get started with 70 million jobs? How did this go from idea to enterprise? Uh, I was working at this uh, nonprofit um, where over time I, you know, became convinced that I could be doing more. Uh, I, I felt like all these terrific nonprofits and they are terrific and they have wonderful people who really give of their heart and soul so generously, um, but none of them ever have scaled nationally and they're all very local. And I felt like, you know something, if we do this right, a for-profit venture has the ability to scale as far and as wide as the profitability will take it. Um, furthermore, I knew that we needed to employ technology, you know, to really make this thing work on the kind of level that I wanted to. So I left my nonprofit gig and launched 70 million jobs in New York. And almost immediately the city of Los Angeles reached out and said, we need your help. Can you work with us? to create job opportunities for our formerly incarcerated, this is out of the mayor's office, then Y Combinator, which is a prominent early stage investor and accelerator program based in Silicon Valley in Mountain View, California, they asked us to be part of that program and invested with us. And that was a terrific experience. And since then, it's been a whirlwind. I mean, you know, we, we work with more than 250 local nonprofits, community organizations, government agencies, they refer to us thousands and thousands of people um, who are looking for help and who need help. 
and we try not to turn down anybody. Uh, we, we, some, in some areas of the country, we may not have a job available today, but we may have it tomorrow. But me and my team are really committed to trying to help everybody, regardless of their past. I don't sit in judgment of anybody. I'm the last person who should sit in judgment of anybody, quite frankly. So I want to help everybody if we can. Oh, that's great. Well, Richard, you have had a remarkable career and you've had some opportunities to learn lessons a lot of us haven't learned. What's the most important lesson you've learned? Uh, I'm still learning this one. Uh, and I'd be lying if I suggested I have it all figured out, but humility. Uh, I look back, people always ask me, do you regret things in your past? And, you know, if, sure, there are things we all regret, things I wish I had said, things I wish I hadn't done. But more than anything else, I regret um, if I treated someone disrespectfully, if I was cruel to someone, if I didn't recognize that, you know, they had value um, because I was so much more important. You know, in my past life, it was fueled by money and drugs and self-denial. And some of my behavior I look back upon and I'm ashamed of particularly. So, you know, it's when you go away to prison and you're scrubbing toilets for a hundred men, it's hard to hold on <laughs> to that ego. At a certain point, you gotta <laughs> recognize, you know, you're not all that big of a big shot at this point. And, you know, and to a certain extent, going away was a very, very helpful thing for me. Um, you know, it's a lesson that I learn every day. Every day I, morning I wake up, I, I try to be a better man than I was. Sometimes I succeed, sometimes not so much. Um, but, you know, that, that, the lesson of humility, I think, is a wonderful thing to learn. So, Richard, uh, you had a unique experience. I guess it's not a unique experience. A lot of people have spent, uh, have been incarcerated. And, uh, uh, but what, ha what you chose to do thereafter is somewhat unique, right? Maybe entirely unique. You, you uh, had this experience, but unlike others, you didn't seek out to find a solution for your situation. You've sought out to find a solution to the situation, right? Of, of people coming out of, of uh, an incarceration without any opportunity. Uh, why did you feel personally responsible to solve this problem? You know, it's funny. I just went on and on about humility, but I think the answer to that question is the opposite of humility uh, and, and, and a lot to do with ego. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm 64 years old. I'm not a kid. I've had lots of experiences. I've led a, I think it's fair to say, an interesting life with many interesting chapters. I feel like all of that existed to bring me to this point right now to do the work that I'm doing. And I feel on a certain level that I'm uniquely qualified to do it. So um, my days on this earth are numbered. I recognize that. And I want to go to heaven. And there are things in my background, you know, that again, I'm certainly not proud of that I feel like I have to make amends for. I believe in karma. I want to, I want to even up the karma if I can actually give myself maybe a little bit ahead of the game, you know, to cover a few th other things I did, maybe not so good. And this to me just seems like the right thing to do. And, you know, something I don't, I, I look back at my life, I, I don't know who said it, but 
you know, God laughs at us while we're making plans. And I have no idea how I got here or what the future <laughs> may hold. I just try to do the best I can do. I surround myself with really good people. And, you know, if that's not enough, well, at least, you know, we're going to leave it on the field. We're going to do the best we can do. Oh, that's great. Richard, what's your superpower? What's my superpower? Well, you know, I have to be honest to whoever's listening. You, you ask, you provide us with that question in advance so that we can think about that. And I've, I've asked a few people, what's my superpower? And that's, that's maybe one of the toughest questions that I have been asked. Um, you know, I don't know if I have a superpower, but I have a powerful need to be honest and, and, and to speak from my heart after a life where I didn't always do that. I, I feel a need to do it now. And what I've discovered is when I do it, when I'm, when I open up and I share completely the good and the bad, irrespective of how that really casts me, inevitably people respond positively because people understand sincerity and they, can, they know it when they hear it and feel it. And they're incredibly supportive and loving. And I have never, ever had this experience before. I get emails from people I meet people and they say, God bless you and you're doing great work. You know, I used to be in the stock business where I was selling stocks that I knew were going to go down. I wasn't getting people saying, God bless you then. I get it now. <laughs> so, you know, I just continue to try. I, there's, I, I don't know a lot about a lot, truly, um, I, I, which is maybe wisdom right there to know that you don't know. But I just try to strip away all the, the bull and try to, you know, answer as, as honestly as I can. And that's the best I can do. So my, I, so my superpower is my determination and commitment that I rigorously maintained to, to maintain to say what's in my heart. And it has worked incredibly well recently for me. Yeah, that's great. Well, Richard, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I know you're busy, but before you go, will you remind people how they can learn more about your crowdfunding campaign, uh, how they can uh, invest in the business, and how they can connect with you personally? Great. Thank, and thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, um, on WeFunder, wefunder.com forward slash 70 million jobs, the number 70 written out. Uh, it's easy to find on WeFunder, um, or contact me at richard at 70millionjobs.com. And I love to hear from people. If you have thoughts, ideas, if you got a criticism <laughs> or something I'm doing wrong, I, uh, I can handle that one too. So please do get in touch with me. And Devin, thank you so much for the privilege to be here with you and to, and to meet the folks that you speak to, you know, on a daily basis. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Richard. And we wish you every success in helping to create 70 million jobs for people who are uh, formerly incarcerated. Thanks, Devin. All righty, let's do some good. At Caring Crowd, we believe everyone has the power to make a difference. Through our crowdfunding platform for community health we empower passionate people to drive real change. Whether you work for a nonprofit organization, volunteer, or want to get involved for the first time, you can post a campaign on Caring Crowd. 
Join us, because caring is where change begins. Thank you for listening. This podcast is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur, or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devon is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com.